Okay, so welcome to Bible study with Bumi. And in tonight's Bible study, we're going to be looking at something that I've titled Are We Living Lifestyle Christianity or something along those lines. I might change the title in a second, but the phrase that kept coming to me was about lifestyle Christianity. And I'll explain, you know, I am someone who uses social media quite actively because I use it to influence. Um, I use it for my business. I also use it to connect with the people God has sent me to. And one of the things that I'm very cautious or careful about is curating my timeline. So determining who I want to follow and then intentionally following them. And I know when I initially started on Instagram, which it feels like years and years ago now, before Instagram was even a thing, I was following just anyone. I was following people that were popular, people that were, you know, maybe saying something along the lines that I wanted to hear as a Christian and as a believer. And the deeper I went in my walk with God, the, the deeper I've gone in my walk with God, the more careful I have been about who I follow. So I went through a season where God literally told me to sit with my followership, like not the people that follow me, but the people I follow, and to literally remove certain people. And we've done that through the years. So he did it initially, just removing all the random ones that I was following, people that weren't necessarily speaking to my life, but I just liked them maybe because I heard them speaking or they were a popular personality, a celebrity. He first of all removed all those ones. And then we went through a phase where he then said, okay, now that you've done that, because of who I am helping you become, these are the other people that I need you to remove from your timeline. So I started removing certain, even Christian people that you know I was already following, but he said the message that they were speaking and what I needed to hear were not aligned. And so I had to remove them. But then as I've spent more time, you know, curating my timeline, I found that I'm drawn to a certain group of people or certain types of people. And, you know, I like aesthetics. If I see something really nice, something aesthetically pleasing, I might follow you because of that. Just for me, not from a Christian standpoint, just for, okay, you do lifestyle blogging. And I like that. So, you know, even though I'm not a lifestyle blogger, even though I initially thought maybe I should be one, but obviously God can that quite quickly. Um, but, you know, I like lifestyle blogging, so I'm more likely to be following like lifestyle bloggers, people that are doing interior decor, those kind of things that are kind of my, kind of my own interests when I'm not reading the Bible or studying my the word of God um, and teaching people. And so, you know, but I was also drawn to those that might be lifestyle bloggers but also who said they were christians and you know i had quite a bit of those type of people on my timeline but you know in recent times the holy spirit has been making me uncomfortable and you've been making me uncomfortable with anything that isn't related or tied to him and it's been a, a weird place to be because there's a lot that's out there there's a lot that you see day to day and for me, I was just like, okay, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? What are you trying to do here? But he was helping me to begin to understand who he was. And I've gone on a journey in the last two, two and a half years of spending more time with him, learning more about him. And particularly even in the last 18 months, I spent a lot more time intentionally getting to know him. And as I've done that, as I've spent that time getting to know him, spending time in his word, 
I've become uncomfortable with even the some of the Christian lifestyle bloggers that I follow or the Christian lifestyle influencers. And I started to notice things that made me uncomfortable, but I just thought maybe it was because I was going deeper in my walk. But then I was having conversations with some other women who are believers and they were saying something along the same lines that they were getting uncomfortable with a Christianity today that's portrayed as a Christianity that is almost like a plaster. And what do I mean? Let me explain. So people come into church, whether they come in as children, that's their parents brought them to church and they grew up in church, or they came as people in their teenage years, in their 20s, in their 30s. Everybody comes to Christ at some, at some point, especially those that are in, in church. And even though people are in church, it, it was looking like their lives weren't reflecting the facts that they were in church. And what I was finding was that I was torn between finding different groups of people in the body. And we're going to, I'm going to bring the scripture that aligns with this. Um, and I didn't necessarily go and look for a scripture to align with what I'm saying tonight, but I actually was sitting and saying, God, what does this mean and why is it bugging me? And, you know, I was meeting Christians that would say they were believers, that they've given their lives to Christ. They've at some point consciously said, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died and rose again. And, you know, I gave my life to him. And so they've done that step, but their lives were not reflecting that. So they would be Christians, they would come to church, they would worship, but their feelings spoke louder than the word of God. Their feelings spoke louder than God. So it would always be about how they feel. And, you know, the phrase that even brought it up for me a lot more when the Holy Spirit then said, go and talk about it in Bible study and teach about it in Bible study was that we are now raising a generation of Christians who are very self-aware, who are increasing in knowledge of themselves and are catering to the needs that they now know they need. And, you know, we're in a generation where psychology and information that comes from psychology is more readily available. Therapy is more readily available. And even the stigmas around those things are almost being removed, that we're leaning more into those things. But as I was thinking of that, and I was thinking of that heightened self-awareness, God said, if you think about my word, what have I said in my word? And why is this thing an issue? Why is this increased self-awareness, especially for a believer, an issue? It's because if you are increasing in the knowledge of self, but you are not increasing in the knowledge of God, you are out of sync with God's design and God's desire for you. And the scripture that he kept bringing to my heart and to my mind is found in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm going to read the Amplified because I find it very explanatory. I'm going to read the Amplified and I'll talk about it and, you know, we'll study about it. But it says from verse one in 2 Timothy chapter three, and I'm reading the Amplified version. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane, and they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, callous and inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control, intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, 
conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, although they have denied its power, for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. Avoid such people and keep away from them. And when I was reading this, because I started saying to, my, saying to the Holy Spirit, I said, Holy Spirit, something is off. And I don't know if I'm just being overly, overly um, spiritual about this. But he then said, no, come to this scripture and see why this thing is bugging you. What you are now seeing is what this scripture was talking about. Especially that last verse in verse five, where it says, holding to a form of outward godliness, religion, although they have denied its power for their conduct, nullifies their claim of faith. Excuse me. What has been bugging me is that many people claim to be believers and many people probably have taken the step of salvation but have done nothing else. Hence why they have an outward godliness. Their words say that they are godly. Their social media bio says that they're a Jesus girl. But their conduct nullifies their claim of faith. And we're now living in a time where it's cool to be a Christian but then what does Christ, being a Christian actually mean? It means being a follower of Christ. We live in a time when people think it's okay to say, I'm a Christian, but are also okay to post a video of themselves twerking in a club and saying they were just having a good time and they were celebrating their 40th birthday. Yes, I am throwing shade to my fellow 40-year-olds. You know, um, and... What that is saying is we're contradicting ourselves is a contradiction in that we're saying this is how who I am, but then how I am is contradicting what I've said about myself. You know, I was saying to my one of my friends today that I actually need to read you what I wrote to her because I said it's bugging me. Something is really, really bugging me where we have come to a point where in our Christianity today, we have become Christians who um, who portray a lifestyle that contradicts scripture. And this isn't a, a means or this Bible study isn't to judge anyone, but to say, what are you doing and how are you living? Because if your lifestyle contradicts what you who you say you are, then you need to actually take time to say, what kind of lifestyle am I supposed to have? You know, I was listening to a message that really brought this to the fore for me. I was listening to a message and it was talking about the nature of God. And, you know, I'll talk about the nature of God at another Bible study. And as I was listening to the person talking, I was saying, actually, we don't know who we are. We're increasing in the knowledge of self, but we don't know who we are in light of who God has said we are. So we have a Christianity that has a layer of salvation. We have one level, but we have no other levels in that Christianity and in that walk. We have no other understanding of who we are and whose we are and the God that we say that we have come to. And, you know, we treat God as though he is a plaster 
that we put over. In fact, I described it as our lives as such these days as believers, if we're not careful, is such that the Christianity that's being portrayed is where that Christ is like the icing on the cake. But the cake is all us. And that's what Paul was writing to Timothy saying, in these days, people will become lovers of self. You'll hear people saying it's all about self-love. But the Bible tells us that God, Jesus, when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God first. So how did we get to this place where our Christianity is focused on loving ourselves, almost to the exclusion of loving other people, where we're very focused on our own needs rather than the needs of other people? And I said, it's a Christianity that has no depth where the, 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 there's no depth in God. And whereas if you think about some of the prayers that Paul prayed, he would say, I pray that you may know God. He didn't say, I may pray that you may know yourself. He said, because if you behold God, you will see yourself. But if you don't even behold God, you can't see yourself. And so he was saying, don't focus on this thing as though you should be focused on. It's all about me. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him and what he wants to do through you. First of all, what he wants to do in you. And then what he wants to do through you. So what, what is happening is that we're very focused on living out purpose, for example. So a lot of in Christian circles today, you will hear about us living out our purpose and dominating the mountains of influence. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the focus is the focus and the agenda is still about us, what we want to do. And it's a case of what we want to do for God, but we've never thought to ask, who does God first call me to be? Who does he say that I am? What has he said about me? Where has he said I should go? But instead it's about, well, I want to be a great doctor. You know, I want to do good works. And there's nothing wrong with good, doing good works. Hear me. But if everything that we're doing comes from the wrong intention, it before God, it's nothing. And the problem with Christianity today, especially Christianity amongst high performers amongst people who are go-getters is a Christianity where God helps us through our feelings. God helps us with our feelings. God helps us with our grief. God helps us with those tough times, but we don't actually know God. So he's like a genie in a bottle that does something for us, but doesn't do anything in us. He's a God that we know from afar and we know by the definitions that our pastors give us, that our devotional tells us. And it's a Christianity that lacks depth and encourages us to lack depth. It's a Christianity that's focused on activities, but not focused on the God that we say we're doing those activities for. When we focus on him, in this kind of Christianity, this style of Christianity, when we focus on him, we focus on what he can do for us. So we always come to him with our list of prayer points. Have you ever tried just sitting with God and praying with no agenda? Have you ever tried it? I can assure you it's a different place to be. 
where you have zero agenda, where your prayer comes from the spirit of God that's on your inside, where he brings the prayers out of you. It's a joy and a delight to pray like that. I can tell you, I pray like that a lot. It doesn't mean I don't have things that I want God to do for me. It doesn't mean that I don't want, I don't have things that I'm trusting God that he will do in my life. But my focus is not really about me anymore. It's about him, what he wants. So that that way, my lifestyle does not contradict my claim of faith. Because that's what Paul is saying in this 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's read it again. But understand this, that in the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self. They will be lovers of self, narcissistic, self-focused, lovers of money, impelled by greed. And you know, many times we never want to acknowledge that our motivation is money. Don't worry, I'm a business person. I know when I'm being motivated by money. I know. And sometimes I have to tell myself, I mean, this is a money thing rather than a God thing. And it does not mean that you shouldn't serve to earn money or to get money or to make an income, whether you're in, in, in a job or you have a business or whatever it is. Money is important. Money kind of, you know, is the tender that we use in this realm. So money is important. But what's your motivation? And he's saying that there will be lovers of money impelled by greed, boastful, arrogant, revilers revilers you know and when i saw that word revilers it made me think of the christians that would literally be leaders in church on sunday but on friday nights will be twerking in a club it's a contradiction and they'll be like yeah but jesus hung out with sinners i said yes jesus hung out with sinners but you don't see him doing the things that the sinners did you don't see him doing that you don't see him doing things, carrying about in a conduct that was unbefitting of who he called himself, the son of God. He says they are disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane, and they will be unloving, devoid of natural human affection, callous and inhumane, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, devoid of self-control intemperate, immoral, brutal, haters of good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God. It's about how, what makes us happy. Not about the joy of the Lord that is inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Holding to a form of outward godliness and religion, although they have denied its power for their conduct nullifies their claim of faith avoid such people and keep away from them the sad reality is that he was saying this to timothy but guess what in the church today this scripture can literally be seen in the lives of a lot of us christians this scripture can be seen in our lives where we have a form of godliness but our conduct nullifies what we claim that we are or who we claim that we are We bring, we, bring, we bring about a lifestyle of Christianity that lacks power, a type of Christianity that's dependent on therapy. And there's nothing wrong with therapy. If you lack knowledge, you go to someone who is an expert, let them help you. 
But do you know that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be our therapist, to work through the issues that we have, to help us with our childhood trauma. If you actually do this Christian work properly, I'm telling you, you might not need therapy. And I'm not disdaining therapy. I recommend therapy for those who are not yet at that point. But if you're walking closely with God, he will be your therapist. I should know he's done it with me a lot of times where he's pulled up a memory that I had hidden deep, buried it deep inside. And he has said, let's talk about this. And then he will ask me questions. So tell me, what is it that brought this about? Why do you think like this? And as I'm answering those questions, my trauma and the thing that caused my trauma is becoming obvious to me. But the truth is that many of us are not even growing in our walk with him. We go to church, we pray in the spirit, but we have no depth because we don't spend time in his word. We don't read his word. And when we certainly interact with him, we interacted with him from a place of what can you do for me? Rather than who are you and reveal yourself to me. If you're going to experience the best life that you God has for you, you're going to have to park that kind of Christianity. You're going to have to set it aside. You're going to have to choose to intentionally walk with him. You're going to have to say, you know what? God, show me you. And you can't know God outside of his word. You can't. You can't know God outside of his word. You know, there are things I know about God today that I'm just like, wow. If I never checked this in the scripture, I would not even know this. A lot of us, a lot of Christianity today has an outward form of godliness, but there is no, the conduct contradicts it because conduct is a reflection of what you say you are. If you say that you are really good at cooking, but then when we put you in a kitchen, you don't know your left from your right. You don't know which knife to use. You don't know how to put ingredients together. You've contradicted that statement. It's the same way for us as Christians, as believers. Our conduct should not contradict nor nullify our claim of faith. It should not be a Christianity that's very focused on self, but not focused on the God that we say we're coming to. It's a Christianity that cannot be focused on dominating the mountains. And every time we read the scriptures, all we read it for is to how we will dominate the mountains of influence, how we will dominate in the marketplace. If you don't know God, if you don't understand God, if you don't understand his nature, if you don't know how he thinks, if you don't know his prophecies, if you don't know the things he has said, if you don't know what he has done through Christ Jesus, when you get into the marketplace, you will present a form of godliness, but it will not actually change anything. There will be no difference. You will be known. You'll be highly successful in your career, in your business, and in the work that you're doing. But in the kingdom, it will have no effect. It is possible. 
You know, when the Bible tells us that we will stand before that judgment seat, he's not judging us in terms of, oh, you are going to hell. We're already in heaven. We've talked about salvation. We've talked about the fact that when we come into Christ, we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's not what we are being judged on. We are being judged on the things that we did. On the life that we lived, on the words that we said. That's what he's going to church and then tell us whether we get a crown and whether we get rewards for the things that we did. That's the judgment of the believer. It's not a judgment of, no, your name is not here, go to, no, 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 no. That's not the judgment of a believer. It's a judgment of the things that you are doing today. Which, which heart are you using to do it? Which heart? What's the state of your heart? Paul tells us that I may know him. He keeps saying that I may know him. Why do we need to know him? It's so that that way we can fully live the lives that Christ said he has made available to us. It's not about, it. we need to perish this lifestyle blogger type Christianity and embrace true Christianity, a Christianity that's based on the gospel. Not the gospels, which are the accounts of Jesus. The gospel, the good news. That good news, in that good news, Christ is amazing. Christ has done a great work. He has made our lives so good. He has made our lives so good. But man, many of us don't even know that. He has given us freedom. He has given us satisfaction. He has made abundance available to us. He has made healing and good health our normal. And those are just some of the benefits that we get. That, you know, we're not just living here on this earth and, you know, just making it through, but we're living fully. It's a beautiful relationship. It's a beautiful gift that Christ has given us. There is a beautiful relationship waiting for you. There is a depth in God that you need to have as a believer. So that that way, when people tell you about praying about the enemies of your father house, father's house, you don't join them because you know that that you don't need to do that. Christ has redeemed you from all of that. When you're doing anything, your things are done because the spirit of God inside of you literally has put God inside of you. The Bible says that in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And, you know, they will do this, they will do that. He said, but I will write my laws in their mind. He didn't write the law of Moses because the law of Moses is different. He said, I will write my laws. God was talking. He said, I will write my laws. That I will write how they should live. I, should, I will write what they should do. That's what he means by his laws. He said, I will write it on your heart so that you, don't, you just literally just know what to do. God called Abraham righteous because his laws, God's laws were written in his heart. This man knew God. And we must know him. So, you know, when Paul was talking, he said to Timothy, further down in the same second Timothy chapter three, he now said to Timothy that rather than following these people and following this kind of life, this is what you should do. Let me tell you what he said we should do as we come to the end of this Bible study. He says in verse 14, but as for you, continue in the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, holding tightly to the truths. The truths are found in the word of God, by the way. Knowing from whom you learned them 
And how from childhood you have known the sacred writings, Hebrew scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, surrendering your entire self to him and having absolute confidence in his wisdom, power, and goodness. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul was saying you need to spend time Hold, he was, obviously, in these times, they didn't have the Bible as we have it today, the complete works, all the written works. They didn't have that. But he was saying the one that you do have holds tightly to it. He said, and then when you do it, first of all, surrender your entire self. You know, when we come into Christianity, one of the things we are expected to do is to surrender our entire selves to him. Surrender your entire self to him and have absolute confidence in his wisdom. Like trust that he knows exactly what he's doing when he's telling you to dump that lifestyle, put aside that type of music, don't dress like that, don't speak like that, don't interact with those type of people, change your friendship circles, trust in his wisdom, in his power and his power to change you and in his goodness that it is a good life that he's calling you to. He says, when you do this, if you see, and then he then tells him that, you see the scripture I'm telling you to hold tightly to the truth I'm telling you, that it has been given by God, that these people wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Whether it was that angels sat with them and gave them the word, but angels do the bidding of God's word. So ultimately it was coming from God. He was saying, all of this scripture is God breathed. It is from God. It is his breath that produced it his breath inside of people because they, they describe the holy spirit as the breath of god in some parts of scripture he's described as the breath of god so when you say all scripture is god breath all scripture is holy spirit given given by divine inspiration and is profitable for instructing you is profitable for convicting you of sin for correcting error where you are doing things that you shouldn't do. The scripture has the capacity to change you. But you have to behold the scripture first. And this lifestyle Christianity that I'm talking about, most of us don't behold the scriptures. We do a lot of devotionals. We read people's interpretation of scripture. But we never actually sit with the scripture to know the scripture by ourselves. There's nothing wrong with devotionals, especially when you're still growing. But well, the Bible tells us that Paul was talking to the believers and he said to them, some of you are still drinking milk when you should be mature. If you've been a believer for 10 years, you should not be at the point of the basics anymore, was what he was saying. If you have even been a believer for a certain number of months, there are things you should know. You know the, the challenge and it's not any, you know, I don't want to say it's not anyone's fault. It's more a lack of what is missing. The problem that has produced this kind of Christianity is that we lack discipleship. A discipling of people when they come into the body, when they come into the church. And obviously you can't force people, but you can disciple people even by the words you speak every Sunday.
But then Paul continued saying that all scripture is God-breathed. He said, for correction of error and restoration to obedience. Obedience to who? Obedience to God. For training in righteousness, for training, for learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately. Most of us are like, I want to know God's will. If you read the Bible, you will know God's will. You don't need anybody to tell you. Just read the Bible. You will see God's will. God's will was for all to be saved, for all to come to repentance. God's will was to save the world. He said he sent his son into the world to save the world. He didn't just want to save Christians. He wanted to save people, everybody. He said so that we behave honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. Like we behave in a way that shows people that this is how to live and this is what to do. So today I want to encourage you. As Paul encouraged Timothy, read the word and hold tightly to the truth that you find in it. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, hold tightly to the truth that you find in it. Spend time in the word. Ask the Holy Spirit questions as you read the scriptures. Ask him to make scriptures clear to you. Ask him to reveal God's heart to you. Ask him to open the eyes of your understanding. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 verses 17 to 20. He prayed and he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. I pray that you may know him, that you may know God. And I just want, I want to pray that same prayer for you, even as we come to this, to the end of this Bible study. I'm going to start from verses Um. 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm continuing the amplified version. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of Him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people, and so that you will begin to know what's the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. I pray that this will be revealed to you and that you'll begin to encounter God in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen.